0: Good afternoon, everybody. So it is the Sunday before finals begin. I know that I'm praying for everybody to have a, a good, successful week. And everyone does well on their finals. But of course, been here long enough to know whether it be in the winter or the spring at finals we It's a time of tremendous stress and anxiety. People losing their minds, freaking out about the finals that are coming over the course of the next few days. But, But again, what sort of makes it worse during this period of time, as we're leading up to Christmas, is that the finals and the stress that we experience is built on top of the stress that so many of us encounter in the weeks leading up to Christmas. So often that this Advent period is a time of great anxiety. We're worried about the, the presents that we need to buy. We're worried about making sure we have the proper meal. We're making sure that we are, talk to all of our relatives and our in-laws that are coming in. There's so much stress and anxiety that leads to this period of time, often being a time where we experience isolation, loneliness, and despair. But we all know that that's not what Advent's supposed to be. It's not what Christmas is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a time of peace and a time of joy, of preparing in our hearts and in our homes and in the church, to receive Jesus when he is born at Christmas. So what's the problem? What's the major malfunction? Why is it that Christmas and the Advent period leading up to this is the time of anxiety instead of a time of peace? This is going to seem completely out of left field, but uh, during the course of the week, I was reading an essay by a British philosopher, this essay, interestingly, is called The Lost Love of Dancing. It's an essay about dancing, a philosophical essay about dancing by the English philosopher Roger Scruton. And I'm going to post it, hopefully, on Facebook, but you can look it up online. It's not that long. And Scruton notices the reality, particularly in traditional Greek culture and in plays, formal dancing, and how dancing in certain cultures, where there's certain ways that we dress, and there's certain moves that we perform, and there's a live band that plays traditional music, how we as a culture, for the most part, have lost that. That traditional form of dancing that he saw was a way to take humans and make them more sociable, to enter into relationships, to enhance their perfection of their freedom. Instead now, it's been replaced, a great degree, at least among the youth, by this DJ and the electronic music where it's so loud that you can't have a conversation. And there's no necessarily prescribed movement. You're basically out there flailing your body, and really getting in touch with your deeper, baser sexual urges and desires. And so he gets into an exploration of this, but he basically describes it using these terms. At one, the first type of traditional dancing is dancing with another person, you're dancing with that individual, you're following the movements. The other type of dancing, the type that we see so often today is dancing at another person. Dancing at another person. You're there facing them, doing all kinds of movements, but you're basically by yourself. You're not with that other person. So tonight, if you go to Randall's, and Cajun dancing sort of of preserves a lot of that traditional dancing, you will witness dancing with another person. But if last night you were over at JSP, probably you saw dancing at another person. Not that I've ever been there. I haven't. But I know what it was like back when I'd go to nightcaps. I know exactly what that was. I don't know what we were really doing back then, but anyhow. But then we see the difference. And his argument is that we've lost something... Whenever we have moved away from dancing with to dancing at Because that not only affects our dancing, but it affects our other relationships That we now are a culture that doesn't have relationships with other people But so often we find ourselves at other people, Confrontation Antagonism not in communion not in relationship and therefore This is what causes so much anxiety. So we think about it, particularly, let's say, in our normal lives, but here in this period before Christmas, that we are so often at others, and as a result of being at others and so stressed, there's more stress and more anxiety. And that stress and that anxiety then creates this negative feedback loop which makes us more at other people instead of being with others in relating to them and building communion and love. You know, okay, it's, it's finals week or we have our shopping list, all these tasks that we need to achieve, and I'm guilty of it too. We've got to check those things off and there are people right in front of us who we can't see them. I don't have time for your feelings. I need you to get this done for me. I need you to buy this. I need you to check me out. I need you to help me study. We're at people instead of being with people. We're always so busy trying to go from one thing to another to accomplish our tasks that again, we are often at other people, particularly that person in front of us who won't take a ride on red whenever we're trying to get on a pin hook in the morning or at that person, instead of with them, we're all in this together. It's because we're so busy that we forget that other people we're relating to. They're not robots, they're not animals. We're so stressed about getting the perfect gift, about making sure our Christmas tree looks exactly right, and make sure that our, our turkey is, is moist and delicious and everything is wonderful and are no fights and the eggnog is wonderful, that we don't give of ourselves to others. We're so caught up in the different exterior accidental things that really aren't important. And so, if we keep this in mind, if we think that maybe I'm making a point, or Mr. Scruton made a point, then the key to overcoming anxiety this Christmas season, or this Advent season in a certain degree, in all of our lives, is by being in relation with others, not at others. In being what we would call right relationship, giving others their due. This is justice. The due they have as human beings, as individuals created in the image and likeness of God, that we really focus on this, and this right relation, and this being with that creates peace rather than anxiety. And I think we look at our readings, it sort of highlights that. Isaiah is a longer reading, but Isaiah is making this oracle of what the end times will be. When every creature tends to get along, even creatures that were at each other in life, the wolf and the lamb and the, and the, the snakes and all of this stuff, that are usually at each other are now at peace. Jew and Gentiles are at peace together, which assumes that we are all in right relationship with each other. We're with each other, not at each other. In the gospel, John the Baptist is there with all the Jerusalem's coming out to be baptized for repentance. He's with them. He's establishing relationships with them and helping them get in right relationship with God. As opposed to the Pharisees who make their business being at other people. They're above them. They look down on them. They're not interested in really relating to them. It's antagonism. It's condescension. But the way we really see it, and what I think is so important for what I'm trying to say today, is what Paul is saying to the community in Rome, is that he is speaking to them so they have hope and to pray to the God of endurance and encouragement that they can think in harmony and that they can act in accord with each other. In one voice to glorify God. Welcome one another. Confirm them. Be present to each other. He's talking about the fact that Christian communities and Christians should be with each other, not at each other. A relationship that creates peace and harmony. And it spills out to others so they can see it. You know, a few weeks ago I was talking about my trip to D.C. with that Religious Art of the Servidoras. Well, we had two of our young women who took uh, their veils on Friday, so I went up again. It was the same experience. There are all these wonderful young women who are living together with each other in community. Not fighting and not arguing, and the joy spills over. For the only time that I can be the only guy with about 40 women and I feel all right. I'm not stressed out. There's so much peace, but that's what it's supposed to look like. I'm sure they get at each other sometimes, but overall, it's the witness of being with each other. And what it does is when we do that, it highlights our human dignity and the true meaning of our freedom. Freedom is not flailing around on the dance floor doing whatever you want to do. True freedom is highlighted when we follow certain rules. When we can excel in playing music, in doing sports, but we got to follow the rules and the regulations. There's got to be a rhythm to it for our freedom to be perfected. That's being with others, of giving them what is their due. And so how is it that we can, can really do this? Because it is possible to do. It is possible to live out. And I saw it this weekend, and it really reminded me That if you can see people being with each other and there's a great joy and happiness and you get angry at it or you can't accept it or you reject it, we've got a really, really serious problem. Because that love and that joy should draw us in and make us want to imitate it in our own lives. And it's so crucial, particularly during the season of Advent as we prepare for Christmas. So how do we do it? How do we do it to reduce anxiety? Well, there's so many ways, but I'll leave you with just a few. First of all, is we can spend time, and I know our schedule is super busy, and I know a lot of you have exams, but at least for a period of time a week, be intentional about being with another person. Take them out to coffee, spend time, get to know them, listen to them. Maybe it's a half an hour, maybe it's an hour. You can make time in your week to do that. To be with another. And imagine when you've had someone do that to you. When you spent that quality time, notice and remember how your anxiety washes away. There's that peace that is created. We've got to create those spaces in our lives during Advent, but all of our lives so that we can know the peace that comes from being with another. Second, go dancing. Not necessarily to the club. You can go Cajun dancing. Go do things with others. Be with others in a healthy situation where there is maybe dining together, going and enjoying a sporting event, where there can be community, not isolation. Dancing is a wonderful way. Go Cajun dancing tonight. Go down and and bowl. Go and, and play tennis. Do something with others that requires activity that does have structure, but that encourages communication and relationship. And third, and most importantly, is prayer. Prayer establishes a relationship with God, but if we do it in community, praying a rosary together and doing a novena together, whatever it is, it establishes that right relationship with each other and thus with the Lord. Because here's the key we sing at Mass or in the course of Advent, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God with us. God is with us, not at us. He's not the judge there to condemn us, to point out our faults, to make us miserable, and to create anxiety. He becomes one of us to be with us, and when we experience being with Him, then through His grace, His example, we should be. It should be easier for us to be with others and to let them know the reality of the God who is with us. Amen.